so thankful for the presence of God that I feel here and um, been so moved by the messages that have been preached and aren't you thankful for the body of Christ one of the beautiful things that I got to see while traveling is seeing God use so many different personalities and backgrounds um, to build his kingdom and the, the timid and the bold and the loud and those that teach down to a whisper seeing God build his church because as they preach tonight he's the one that gets the glory and no matter what your background is as long as we make it about him he's gonna build his church I'm so thankful for this host church and Bishop Tracy and Pastor Bachelor for hosting this conference and the evening services. And uh, God's doing great things here. God's doing great things at Urshan College. I tell you what, uh, I got to be there when you guys first moved in on the facility and uh, seeing how empty it was and everything. They were saying, this, this is going to be this, this is going to be this. And so now I got to come back and see it. I'm like, man, this is like a little whole missions church in here. Got the platform, got the, I mean, I remember when there was nothing. It was just the pulpit. And uh, just seeing all the growth and development uh, that has happened. And uh, wow, so thankful for all the hard work of the faculty, uh, Nicole Thorpes and the Russells, and all the leadership, Brother McClintock. We love and appreciate you and your family and all the pastors and leaders here that give honor to every one of you and Urshan College love and appreciate his wonderful uh, young preachers. Uh, aren't you thankful for the body of Christ? Can you give the Lord a hand clap? <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, and uh, my wife is out uh, preparing for our uh, get-together Sunday. We launched January 9th, and uh, when we launched January 9th, the sound wasn't working 10 minutes before service. And I looked around, it was me, my wife, and my son, a few people came. And the first thing I said was, man, we need some. My wife and my son was looking at me. I'm the sound engineer. So I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me right now. And uh, thankfully, we got the sound working and making some amazing memories. English service at 12, Spanish service at 2. But this Sunday, we got a bilingual service at 12. Both Spanish and English come together uh, for a service. Amen. Uh, 
our Spanish and English come together for service and we have a fellowship afterwards, created a hospitality team uh, from a lot of those that have been visiting and I'm just trusting that they can cook. We'll, I'll let you, I'll give you back a report and see how that goes. I'm just walking by faith, amen. God spoke. <laughs> and I, I want to get the vertebrae. I want to make sure the chicken right and the steak and all that and the hamburgers. But I'll uh, give you a report and see if the Lord breathed life. Amen. And uh, so thankful for the ministry of Brother Jones and his impact in our movement. And uh, one of the most beautiful things I ever witnessed was uh, going and standing in line to get to honor him for his faithful years of service and I was like wow this is so apostolic being able to honor a man of God and his commitment amen let's go in our Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 5 book of Joshua chapter 5 and verse 9 and so I'm feeling like superhero dad today because in the past week uh, I've pulled out two of my son's teeth So I'm like, whoa, I really, my fingers are really, miss one in the top and like he's got like six teeth loose at the same time. And so that's like, I've been anointed dentist of the household and uh, he's got the most beautiful snaggy tooth smile you've ever seen in your life. One tooth just dangling, that's it, it's just. It's like been to the side. I said, son, let me pull it. No, dad, I'm just going to hold on to it, dad. He's eating on the right side. Just <laughs> Tooth is just going back and forth. He uh, I'll give you that report. I'll give you that report. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 9. And the Lord said unto Joshua, God said. The Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of that place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of, of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And the manna ceased. I want to preach on this subject this evening. Mind over manna. Mind over manna. Why don't you lay your Bibles down, everyone close your eyes and lift up your hands. And let's ask God to speak as only he can. Lord Jesus, I submit to your will. I submit to your plan. 
have your way in this place, have your way in this house. Speak to your people. Let someone be endued and inspired. Anoint my mind. Help me to speak what thus saith the Lord. To take the body to great heights. Touch minds, transform minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? Come on, that's it with expectation. Amen. seated in the presence of the Lord. Give honor to your uh, Brother Parkey, your district superintendent. We love and appreciate the Parkey family. Mind over manna. Of course, with this title, you understand what I am alluding to when I say the English idiom, mind over matter. And that is an idiom that just means no matter how impossible the task is before you, you have a mind to get through the obstacle. They use this when it comes to teams that are underdogs or not supposed to win or marathon runners that are at the last. They hurt themselves and they hurt themselves and they have miles to run. And they're not supposed to be able to finish the race. But somehow the strength of their mind helps them to overcome the limitation where they push past the physical limitations because they have a mind and a will to overcome. The mind is so vital to the Christian life because if you have a saved body but you still have an old mentality, nothing will change in your life. No matter how many services that you attend, no matter how many prayer meetings you go to, if you don't allow God to touch your mind, there will be no progression in your life. Paul wrote to the church of Rome, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not enough to just inhibit or, or act out the right behavior. Somehow, the right behaviors have to be fueled by the right mind. If you want to be changed, you got to allow God to just come into your mind and start changing some things. 
If you want to be successful, if you want to have revival, you got to get a mindset for revival. You got to get a mindset of an overcoming. If you got a mindset of an overcomer, nothing can take you down. No matter how great a devil is, no matter how many devils are in your city or against or in your family, if you got a mind that there's going to be a revival and God is going to make the difference, there's going to be a mind that moves the matter around and pushes you through. Amen. If you have a mind of an overcomer, no matter how insurmountable the obstacles may be, if your mind is in the right place, you're going to get through. If your mind is always victim, no, 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 matter, no matter how wonderful somebody wants to love you, come on, somebody, the mind will self-sabotage. And someone says, I love you. And you say, well, what do you mean? Uh, I care about you. Yeah, yeah, I heard that before. Hey, you want to come hang out? No, y'all just going to talk about me. If you've got the mind of a victim, no matter how nice people are or loving people are, your mind sabotages you and your relationships where all of your relationships are shallow. But if you can get your mind right, if you can get the mind of Christ, if you can allow the word of God to come in and cleanse your mind, come on, you'll get a depth in your relationships. You'll get a depth in your ministry. You'll get a depth the mind it's the mind that if you don't get a new mentality when you're in your ministry or whatever place you're operating in you cannot overcome mental stumbling blocks mental hindrances you cannot overcome if the mind isn't right. If you were, there are some people that have a fear of success. Listen, and when you have a fear of success, I want you to catch this, they, you look at success because of your background, because of you, what you went through, because you fell before, you got a fear of success. Watch this. And because you have a fear of success, you, keep, you, you treat success as like it's a cliff. Okay. And the mind and the brain is designed to keep you from danger. So if you're afraid of success, which is the cliff, the mind will not allow the body to get in alignment with successful behaviors. You can want it all you want, but there's something in you. You say, I want it, but I'm scared to want it. So the mind won't give you the right behaviors, the prayer needed, the fasting needed, the study needed. You can't get the right behaviors until you get your mind to stop being afraid of your future and say, I got to get delivered. I got to go after it. And I believe that God has a plan. 
Fear of success. Fear of success. People have fear of success because you made success synonymous with pride. <laughs> and so you're so scared to be successful, yet, yet because of your fear, you stay mediocre. Yet there's something in you that longs to be great, but you're scared to be great because you're scared you're going to follow pride. And you have interpreted humility as if it's a destination. Boy, I'm going to dig here today. As if, as if, uh, I know I got to stay humble, 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 I got to humble. It's not a destination. Matter of fact, biblical humility, you're supposed to be elevated. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he shall exalt you. But what happens when God starts trying to exalt you, you self-sabotage and say, no, I got to stay humble. I got to stay humble. No, humble is not an abode. It's an attitude. You can have an attitude of humility with, with a billion dollars. You can have an attitude of humility with a million. You don't have to be broke to be humble. You don't have to be small to be humble. Come on. You can be great and be humble and I release you in the name of Jesus to be successful. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. You can, be, you can be successful and prideful, and you can be unsuccessful and prideful. You can be healed and prideful and sick and prideful. Someone said it this way, the same person that parks his car in front of the church because he's got a new vehicle, that pride is the same pride displayed when someone parks their car in the back of the building because their vehicle's bad. It's still pride. I come to loose you to be great. I've come to loose you to be great. Humility is not a destination, it's an attitude that you can have whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, where you're going through a storm or if you're walking in peace. Humility, you can have it at all times. We've got to stop making success synonymous with failure. I come to preach to somebody. It's time to get your mind off of failure. It's time to get your mind off of backsliding. For doing, Come on, when God gives you a blessing, he doesn't add any sorrow to it when God gives you a blessing he's not trying to see come on he's not trying to set you up for failure no he's giving you the abundant blessing of God to come up a little higher that you might shine your light some people are so scared of success or blessing the only time they feel comfortable is in failure such a traumatized past so many things that you've been through so many hurts so many failures 
You've allowed people's words to stigmatize your spirit. Where you're comfortable not achieving your vision or your dreams. And the minute you start walking in blessing, that's the only time you get paranoid. Oh, my God, I'm too blessed today. <laughs> Something's going to happen, isn't it? It's all about your mentality. If you have a mind of overcoming, there's nothing that can take you down. But if you have a victim mentality, you can start your day well, and you're about to go to school or you're about to go to work, and you can't find your keys for 30 minutes. And man, because you can't find your keys, it throw off your whole day. Just tripping over molehills. Hey, we want to use you for this thing. I don't know if I can do it. I already had a bad day. I lost my keys for 30 minutes. You know what the mind of an overcomer says? You know what? I may have lost my keys, but I thank God I haven't lost the keys of the kingdom. You just make everything positive. No matter how bad they try to bring you, you're able to make a stumbling block into a stepping stone. You're able to use the attacks that has come against you to propel you into a higher level because you've got the mind of Christ, and that is the mind of a conqueror. Your mentality. Your mentality matters. Everyone say your mentality matters. Your mentality matters. My timer almost turned off. That scared me so bad. It's still on, praise God. The children of Israel, if you notice, the word brain isn't in the Bible. It's all about the mind. The closest thing we get to the mind is a picture of a brain, but there is no picture of a mind. Because a mind is, has to do with your personality, your, your soul. There's no picture of your soul. The closest you get is a picture of a brain. But brain's not mentioned in the Bible. It's all about the mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Psychology affects cardiology. How I think affects my heart. And they've studied this in so, in so many ways on how different things that you endure mentally affects the body physically. Even down to your eating habits. Even down to you can go through so much trauma, so much emotional neglect that it can develop a food addiction. At night, because you had emotional neglect, the body starts yearning for emotion and you interpret it as hunger. And so you just overeat and you start getting obese. Clinically proven that the mind affects the body. And trauma has a way of hindering us from becoming what God wants us to be because trauma stunts our growth. How you responded mentally to a situation at eight years old is not the same way you, 
should respond to different situations at 20 and 23. And it's not until you allow God to heal the trauma, to heal those things that you can have a proper mindset and outlook on life and people. The mind is so important. The children of Israel were really in the battle for their lives. And the greatest battle they faced was their mind. It's the greatest battle they faced because 430 years in slavery. Listen to this. And the Bible says they came out of Egypt in a single day. Watch this. And the Bible says they came out by the armies. They went from bankers to generals in a day. Now that's a mental shift. What, now what's your military background? I bake cakes. <laughs> but you should see how I hold the pan. I am dangerous. And so I've got a practice maneuver. Really, if you just bring it higher, it's really. It's <laughs> no military experience yet. God says they're an army. In a day. What did you do? Well, I just washed Pharaoh's sandals. Well, you're hired. No military experience. Yet God says that's an army. The mental shift that they had to make in a day to go from bakers and slaves to free generals and soldiers. Ooh, that's a mental shift. And that's kind of what happens whenever you get saved. It's almost like you've been abused and told you were nothing your whole life. And we say, hey, you're a child of God. And you're like, hey, the Father loves you. And that's a shift that you got to make because for 19 years, your daddy said he didn't love you. Now you've walked this journey trying to decipher how to live out the treasure that God has entrusted to you. And you struggle with something everyone in a, these educators uh, and these PhDs and even in the secular field of, uh, after a great success, they say that they struggle with something called imposter syndrome. That no matter how great you are in your PhD, no matter how smart you are, every one of your peers feel like they don't belong. And that's what happens when we get into the church or when God gives us a calling or a destiny for greatness. You immediately feel like an imposter. And you feel like an imposter, so you kind of try to play the part. He's holding his hand up like this, so don't mind me. I'm one of you. <laughs> Imposter syndrome. One of the first things to overcome when God gives a promise is the feeling of inadequacy. 
And if you cave to that feeling of inadequacy, you sabotage what God is trying to bring you into. God tells them, go, possess the land. Mind. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. Fully equipped, promised from God. God spoke, but the mind would not let them take hold of what was already given. Who am I preaching to in this place? That God has given you a promise, but your mind keeps on pulling you back to what you were before Ocean, before, Urshan, before the calling, before you got on track. The mind keeps on pulling you back to what you used to be. It's time to break off the chains of yesterday and begin to get a boldness back on the inside of you. It says, I'm going to possess everything that God has for me. And no, I may not be worthy, but he's worthy. And no, I may not be worthy, but I got a word. I heard I heard God speak. I heard God speak. Don't underestimate this challenge of the mind. Don't underestimate this challenge because you're going to battle this the rest of your life. Every time God calls you into a new level, you got to fight that feeling of being defined by yesterday. Hmm. The Israelites, they were unwilling to grab hold. Oh, my Lord. And so for every day that they searched out the promise, God added a year into a cycle. 40 years of walking in circles. I'm preaching to people that have been in a cycle. Every conference, we got to pray you through to believe again. In between conferences, you always discourage. We gotta be no, no. You're called, man. You're called, man. No, you're called, man. No, you're gonna pastor. No, God's gonna use you because you get a glimpse of the future. But when you're done with all the social things all around you, you fade back into the past. Why? No one's forcing you there. It's the mind. mind finds different ways, creative ways to sabotage if we don't allow God to get in it. Every time you're about to break through, here come another questionable relationship in your life. Well, y'all going to throw me out of here today. Every, every time you make a fresh commitment, all of a sudden, somebody that never talked to you, they say, ooh, la, la. 
And you're like, oh, they noticed me. They noticed me. They noticed me. All of a sudden, you forget about the promise. You forget about the calling. You forget. And now you try to maintain a dysfunctional relationship that you never should have been in. I'm preaching to somebody right now. It's time to shake off the cycle and grab a hold of the promise. Because God has a word for your life. And what he promised, he shall. That's why when God give you a promise, you got to be like, God, whatever you're going to do, you got to do it quickly. Because I'm scared to go back into that mess. I'm scared. He looking at me. Come on, she looking at I don't want to. God, you better do it right now. I don't, come on, you got to get an urgency back in you. Uh-uh, God, I'm going after it. I'm not waiting around to fall, waiting around to fall into temptation, waiting around to backslide. I'm about to go after this thing. I'm going to do it right now. You got to get the urgency that the disciples had. I believe he's coming back at any time. So I got to do something. I got to teach your Bible study now. I gotta sing with the anointing now. I gotta preach like I never preached before now because something is happening now. Amen. This is a challenge because 40 years they're in the wilderness. Now as soon as they step into the promised land, Oh, goodness, I feel like preaching to somebody. As soon as they step into the promised land, the first word, the word from God that comes to them, and he, he says it this way. He says, and the Lord said unto Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Hold on one second. They have been out of Egypt for 40 years. But as soon as they... Get into promise. God says, after 40 years, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. The word reproach, it literally means harsh words. Here it is. It took them a day to get delivered from the whips of Egypt. But it took 40 years for them to get delivered from the words of Egypt. It wasn't just that they whipped them. It was what they said while they were whipping them. You're grasshoppers. You're nothing. You're nobody. And even when they were long delivered from Egypt, they still had the mind of the heartache and the words. And God said, before you come into this promise, we got to get your mind right. We got to get your mind off of yesterday and push it You, you, you've been long delivered from that abusive household, but here you are in Urshan still hearing the words, still hearing the words of what dad said, still hearing the words of what mama said, still hearing the words of those that betrayed you what they said. And even while you're trying to operate in your calling, you are shackled down because the mind is still traumatized. But God has come to roll away the reproach. God has come to roll away the harsh way 
Somebody clap if you believe that. Somebody shout if you believe that. Somebody run if you believe that. Somebody dance if you believe it. He had to deal with them mentally. He had to roll off the words of yesterday. He had to roll off the guilt of yesterday. He had to roll off the condemnation. He had to roll away the lost opportunities. He had to roll away the failures and say, now you get a fresh start. Now it's going to be like you never even was in Egypt. Now I'm giving you a new beginning. Now I'm turning everything around. Now you're going to find out what you were made of. You're going to find out that you were made in my image. You're going to find out that you're mine. You're going to find out that you're victorious. You're going to find out that there's an anointing for you. You're going to find out this is just the beginning. You're going to find out that you haven't peaked. This is your time. So, before they go into the promise, for 40 years, God supplies for them bread from heaven. Oh, God, I'm going to preach this thing to somebody here. Uh, he said, every day, I'm going to give you a miracle of preservation. I love what Exodus said. It said that I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. That I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day, they that prepared that they will bring in. And it shall be twice as much as they gathered daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, And even then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out of the land of Egypt. When they obeyed the word of God, and they walked through the Red Sea, God began to supply bread from heaven. It was a miracle of preservation. It was a miracle of survival. They weren't supposed to survive the wilderness that long. But somehow when God gets in the middle of your wilderness and when God gets in the middle of your trouble there is a miracle of survival there is a miracle that God is maintaining me this was supposed to kill me but there's an anointing that's come from heaven that is holding me together Oh, the hurt was supposed to take me out but somehow the anointing came down and it sustained It is the miracle of preservation. It's the miracle is that you should have quit. You should have gave up a long time ago. You should have gave up on your ministry. But something came down from heaven and kept you. It kept you going. It kept you shouting. It kept you dancing. It was a survival. Uh, 
that was that was the miracle of manna is that God gave them just enough to keep on going. God gave them just what they needed. Have you ever prayed a big prayer? And the big prayer, it wasn't answered. But God answered back with just enough. Who am I preaching to in this place? You say, God, I wanted something bigger. But he just gave me what I needed. He gave me just enough to get through the next day. It is. It's the miracle of survival. You were supposed to quit. You weren't even supposed to come to Urshan with everything that happened in your family. You weren't even supposed to come to Urshan with everything that you went through in your church. But somehow, by the grace of God, there was manna that came down in your spirit and it kept you going another day. It helped you sign that application. It helped you take a step of faith. It helped you believe that he would provide. I thank God for manna. The manna. The manna. Provision for 40 years. Listen. Provision for 40 years. They could not grab more than they wanted. I feel like talking to somebody. They, 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 they had a certain rate. If you tried to get more, it was disobedience. You would reap back worms and bacteria. The manna was there to just keep you. It was just to keep you until you got to the promise. As soon as they got a taste of the corn of the promised land, as soon as they got a taste of the future, the Bible says that the manna ceased. Oh, God in heaven. As soon as they got a taste of the future, the manna, the miracle of preservation, it ceased. And if they were to wake up the next day and look for manna while they were in the promise, it was disobedience because there wouldn't be any more manna. Why? Because in the promised land, it's, you're not surviving off of just enough anymore. Now you can have as much as you want. You can grab as much as you like. You can get whatever. How much God do you want? You don't have to settle for a certain rate anymore. You can pray as long as you like. You can worship as long as you like. The man of cease. The man of cease. And I'm preaching to some people here that you have been wondering why the old things that you used to do, it is not working. What did I say? What did I say? I, what did I say? I said, 
what you used to do that worked all the time. Now it doesn't work. That's amazing when I said that the mic turned off. Isn't that interesting? Oh, thank you for the illustration. I feel like preaching in this place right now. What worked before in manna time, you notice you're trying it now and it's not working. That song used to always bring you to tears, but now there's a numbness that comes on you because you have moved from manna and you have moved into corn. You have moved into the promise. That sermon that you used to preach, that what you used to do, that it's not working anymore because now you got a taste of the future and with the taste of the future comes responsibility. You can't survive on just enough anymore. Now you got to get as much corn as You're saying, God, why aren't you doing this for me? He said, hold on. That was what manna was about. I did everything for you. But once you get into the promise, it's not just me working with you anymore. It's now you doing your part. Now you got to open up your arms and begin to gather corn for your family. you got to open up your arms and get as much as you like. It was just enough. It was just enough. And their minds, listen, their minds were so ingrained for 40 years on the manna of just enough. That when the manna ceased and there was corn all around them, They had to get their mind over the just enough mentality. Just enough money to make it. Just enough anointing for a good message. Just enough. They, they were surrounded by corn. They didn't have to get the same measurement anymore. They could have grabbed as much as they liked, but they had to get delivered from the mindset of manna. Because what was, what was illegal during manna time is legal during corn time. What would get you chastised during manna season is encouraged in corn season. Here it is, here it is. If they tried to go for more during manna, they got chastised for it. What are you doing? We're in the wilderness. We all get the same. Uh-uh, no, uh Don't get more than that. That's enough. That's enough. Everyone gets their certain rate. You can't get more. You were chastised. And if you tried to get more of what God gave, you would only get back worms and bacteria. And now if you bring that mentality into corn where God says take as much as you like, there is a hesitancy. 
you're scared to get more of God. You're scared to get more blessing because you're scared what they might think of you. Well, well, that was concerning during manna time. Right now, God has released you to go after as much of God as you want. Nobody's going to hit your hand down. Nobody's going to say that's enough. They're going to say, come on, there's corn here for everybody. There's corn here for everybody. But for some of y'all, it is tough to let go of what happened during manna season. Wave a hand if I'm helping somebody here. For some of y'all, it is tough for you to let go of what happened during manna season. Why? It's tough for you to let it go because God was there. And God was in the past move of God that you experienced personally. He was there. But if you cleave to the meta move or the past move that happened in your life, it can persecute the present move. Are you getting it? If you keep the mentality, see, you're, you're saying, oh, if I can just get my prayer life back, if I can just get my praise back, if I, see, see you, you, your measurement is always behind you. When God is trying to give you a futuristic mentality. Because what's before you is going to be a thousand times greater than what is behind you. And the manna mentality cannot survive in the promised land. And if you cleave to everything that happened, you thank God for it. I thank God for it. I'm grateful for it. I thank God for my testimony. I thank God for what God did. But God's telling me there's some corn here. God's telling me that we're about to go to another level. God's telling me that we're about to reach new heights. But if I stay here in manna, I will never see corn. I want to compare it to a child. It, it, it's 10 o'clock in the afternoon. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. The mom tells the child that he can have as many cookies as he likes, but he got to wait till noon. But it's 10 o'clock, so the child reaches early for the cookies. And when he reaches early, the mom hits his hand down. And she said, no, I said, wait. Hits his hand down. Now the child remembers the trauma and the pain of being rejected for reaching. But now it's 12 o'clock. And they can have as many cookies as they want. But there the child sits scared. Remembering when they were rejected. Remembering when they were hurt. Remembering. And there's cookies all around the child, but he is scared to grab more because he remembers what it felt like the last time he reached for more. But no now doesn't mean no later. Okay. You 
you got to get your mind over manna. Stop trying to live this life barely surviving. Live this life barely surviving, paycheck to paycheck, barely getting by, barely getting by. You think that's the future of your life. God is bringing the apostolic movement out of just survival mode. We got to go and possess the land. We got to go and get the corn. There's corn all around us. Oh, I want everybody to stand right now. Uh, there's corn all around you. And, you. and you're scared to get more. Scared you're going to get worms and bacteria back. But God's saying, you got to get your mind over manna. Thank God that you survived it. Thank God. But why did you survive? You survived it because there's corn in your future. Lift up your hands right now and talk to the Lord. Right now, I want you to lay your hands on the person next to you, wherever you are, from the front to the back. I want you to close your eyes right now, and I want you to close your eyes and speak over them in the name of Jesus. Tell them, go after it. Tell them, go after it. Come on, prophesy. There's more. There's more for you. Go after it. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost beginning to break some mentalities. bahataya. Come on, go after it. Come on, you can pray as long as you want. You can worship as long as you want. You can go after God as long as you want. This is the taste of the future. This is the taste of the promise.